0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Mets Legends Podcast. Uh, we've been away for a little bit, for a little while. Uh, Rob was feeling a little bit under the weather last week, and I was generally unavailable. So it's good to be back, uh, feeling good after a nice Sunday night baseball win. It's going down as the Francisco Lindor game. Uh, I am your host, Michael Jennings, along with my co-host, the Irreplaceable Rob Rob Pearsall also known as Lucas Duda. Lucas, how are you doing
1: today? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. I just got done hitting a couple uh, home runs that did not matter at Mm -hmm. all. Um, And, yeah, I mean, that's just what I like to do, hit home runs when they don't matter uh, because I am Lucas Duda.
0: And that's what Lucas Duda does. Uh, Lucas Duda was joined by Francisco Lindor last night as one of three Mets who have hit – uh three home runs in uh, at home at city field in a single game. Uh also on that list is the ever legendary Kirk Nieuwenhuis. Um which is such an eclectic list, you know, what what do you th- what do you make of all that?
1: So yeah, it's funny cuz I was actually I was I was last night after Lindor had the three home runs I had only remembered Lucas Duda and Kirk Nieuwenhuis doing that at home, and mm-hmm. I remember it was like a big deal because no one had ever done it before. Kirk Nieuwenhuis did it in 2015, and then Lucas Duda just did it like a few weeks later, <laughs> and like no one really cared because um, they because they got blown out, um, and then I and totally the forgot. It. It. Yeah, and you know what's funny about that too is that the Mets were were. They lost seven to three that game, too. Yeah. And the three runs were three solo home runs by <laughs> Lucas Duda.
0: Um that's as Lucas Duda game as it gets, though. I mean, he probably went three for four, right? He probably only got four at-bats. Probably went three for four and a strikeout, I would imagine. Uh yeah. We'll have to like we'll that. have to look back at the box score and, and see what the stats tell us, but that's that's as lucas dude as it gets
1: and apparently robinson cano also did it i don't remember that happening oh yeah
0: no it did it did was that last year it, it was last season so okay so we don't it have to count it yeah
1: yeah <laughs> also robinson cano so accounting in general is kind of uh you know yeah. you can kind of kind of decide on that but um yeah it's funny uh all of them have happened in the last five or six years which is which is pretty crazy um like no one in franchise history ever did it at Shea which is so hard to believe that like Mm. like that um Daryl Strawberry never did it or Mike Piotr never did did, or David Wright never did it Beltran never did it Delgado Beltran never did it Todd Hunley like none of the big power guys ever did it um And then you just have it, like, happen, like, all in, like, a spurt of, like, a few years. But Lindor's was by far the most exciting, Um, you know, just because of the stage that it happened on. Um, And you were watching. Unfortunately, uh, like you said, I was under the weather uh, the last several days. Yeah. Uh, You know, not COVID, thankfully. Um, I'm vaccinated. um, But... You know, I got I was down bad with some sort of virus. Um, and so I fell asleep before um, the game ended and I woke up like shortly after it ended, I guess, and was like turned on to Twitter and it was everyone was going nuts. But you were watching it. So so take me through the emotions of, of the last home run and just like, you know, like wrapping up on Sunday Night Baseball, such a energetic win.
0: Yeah. So I kind of tuned in like right in the middle of the game, probably like the fifth inning. So, and I had missed, I had missed Lindor's first home run, but I saw uh, the second and third ones. And that's when things really just got insane. I think, um, you know, Carrasco kind of corrected the ship after giving up first inning, inning runs, you know, as he does uh they should really start to consider like an opener for him like (laughs) why not at this point uh but that's that's another topic but I mean I think my emotions really started to elevate when Brad Hand gave up the two-run home run to uh to Stanton Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um I mean so like the Lindor home run was awesome and it was very clear that you know Lindor had said something to I think it was Urshela or I can't remember who who he said something to on the field and then he definitely like looked into the dugout gave like a a whistle like hand gesture and then you know other like cut it out kind of hand gestures as well referring to uh, the night prior where apparently Taiwan Walker was maybe tipping his pitches or the Yankees were stealing signs. I don't know. That's all going to be, I feel like that's all going to be very well broken down by the time this episode uh, comes out or, you know, in the days after, Uh, but uh, all we know right now basically is that the Mets are kind of insinuating that the Yankees are up to some nefarious activity in their dugout, letting, letting guys know that certain pitches are coming. Uh, with a whistle, I don't know. Um, we'll see what comes of that. But um, but then when Stanton hit that home run, my first thought was, Brad Hand, you absolute idiot! Why would you throw any pitch remotely close to the strike zone with Stanton up and Gallo on deck? It just the situation made no sense. I really think he just missed his spot. I think he was trying to throw a slider in the dirt that just didn't move. And Stanton just did what Stanton does and launched it to the moon. Um, mm. But he, when he kind of, like, stopped, he, he rounded second and kind of stopped and said something to Lindor. It looked like they kind of figured it out right then and there. They are both just kind of like, hey, you stop. No, you stop. Okay, let's keep going. And then <laughs> – and then the bench is cleared and, uh, and it was all kind of dumb, honestly. Uh, but that third home run, I mean, I haven't, I haven't felt like that watching in Mets game probably since, since they're in, you know, it, it was a playoff atmosphere. I was getting very much playoff emotions, uh, in both of those specific instances. I was, livid with brad hand and luis rojas to some degree for not intentionally walking him. although i do think brad hand should have had the presence of mind to pitch around stanton and not even try to you know throw him a competitive pitch but you know that that's kind of bygones be bygones uh my heart was pounding in the ninth with edwin diaz you know it's It is interesting how quickly you can decipher how an Edwin Diaz outing is going to go. He threw, I think his first pitch was like 97 on the black. And I was like, all right, we got good Edwin tonight. Uh, Made quick work of the first batter he faced. Then he put two on Uh, there's a little bloop single and then a four pitch walk. Um, And I, I started to worry, you know, like, Lord, here we go again. Um, but you know, I think it seemed fitting that Stanton popped out to Lindor on a ball that was like a foot inside. I don't even know how he reached it. Um, and that was the game, put it in the books. It was
1: insane. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think the big thing with the Wilpon era was that the Mets were just always very bereft of superstars, like, especially like in the later years. Yeah. Like just paying Joanna you know, um, you know, the contract that they did felt like really like pulling teeth, um, mm-hmm. you know, like just to get that deal done. And, and, you know, it was a good deal too, you know, but just to get that done, um, like really felt like pulling teeth. And it also felt like you were like, okay, we signed Cespedus. So this is going to handcuff them now from like allocating money elsewhere. So it's like, it was always like a compromise where, Mm -hmm. right. Where it was like, okay, like we can have this player, but that means that like, that's about it, you know? Um, And so uh, having someone like Lindor and getting that trade, like, yeah, it's been a frustrating season so far. Like, and you can't really, it's unfair to like, like these people I see on Twitter that are like, he's a bust, you know, $340 million wasted. It's like, he's played, Four months on this team, yeah, and you're com- and you're so ready to write him off. It's like we people are so traumatized them. from the Pond era, right? Um, But anyway, like last night we're, was on full display how awesome Lindor is as a player. He's a and superstar, like, yeah, the kind yeah. of superstar talent that he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. And like just like hearing Matt Vasgersian's call of that play, like obviously I didn't see it in real time, but I the, the same effect was still in place when I saw the replays of it. Yeah. It really made you feel like the Mets are a legitimate team. And I don't mean like, oh, they're automatically contenders now. But I always just felt like we were this Mickey Mouse team Mm -hmm. in regards to, like, the rest of the league, you know, where it was like you saw teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, you know, the Mm -hmm. Red Sox, whatever, like, on the big stage, on these big ESPN games, these Fox games – and it always just seems so electric. And I I never felt like we we got that a lot with the Mets. And, like, I don't know, just seeing that Lindor homer, like, that was just, like, an instant classic. Like, that's going to be playing, like, on replays, like, in yeah. Mets highlight videos. That's like, rain delay stay-
0: central for, you know, the next 15 years on yeah. SNY. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's going to be a homer that we're, like, never going to stop seeing. You know, that's going to be, yeah. like – Any like big like marquee Mets moment that you can think of over the last twenty years, like that's Mm -hmm. that's what we got last night from from Lindor's performance, and Um, and it's so exciting
0: to be able to to have that because I really think you know Carlos Beltran was a superstar, David Wright was a superstar, but they were they were a little bit more like reserved characters, yeah. If you know what I mean, like I. I don't think the Mets have had a true like kind of brash superstar like Lindor since Mike Piazza, because, you know, Piazza would kind of ruffle some feathers from time to time. And and he would, he would sometimes speak his mind in a way that, you know, other guys like Beltran or David Wright did not, they were always very diplomatic. I felt um, Beltron even to the point of being a little boring, <laughs> like, like whenever I feel like whenever he was talking to reporters, I was never all that interested in what he was saying. But with Lindor, yeah. it's different, you know. He's entertaining. He's witty. He's, uh, I you know I I think he's just he's just something that you're right hasn't been part of the Mets organization. I don't think really ever like they've never really had a player like Lindor before.
1: No, I mean, you know, obviously, I feel like this. This generation of players, I feel like, is really going against the grain of like what typical, like how typical, you know, quote unquote, typical MLB players yeah. should act like. Yeah. Um, you know, where it's like there's always been like the unwritten rules of baseball that mm-hmm. the older generation really swears by. You know, like this is really a genera- generation of players that are challenging that, you know, that are saying, why do we have to abide by those antiquated rules? You know, why do we have, why can't we have personality on the field? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why can't we bat flip? Why can't we celebrate and, and, you know, showboat around the bases, you know, like this is a game that we're playing that's fun. Um, yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, like I don't blame them, you know, it's like if a pitcher or a team is so upset that a guy is showboating be better i don't know you don't want to play better you don't want yeah. <laughs> to get you don't want to get showed up for letting up a home run don't let up home runs that's really right. it's really that simple yeah. you know like you can simply avoid it by playing better um and I, and I don't think
0: it's a disrespect to the opponent thing whatsoever like no i i think there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the meaning of like bat flipping and you know even shit talking like (laughs) it's not personal like as soon as you're like you know i I don't know about you but you know i'm i'm a very competitive person Mm. and i still you know i i play adult league baseball and there's plenty of shit talking going on but at the end of the day you know like I don't have any real beef with any, of, any of the people that I chirp or chirp at me, you know, it's like, it's all, it, it's all part of the fun in my mind. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's part of what makes competing fun. Um, if you take offense
1: to that, then you're just soft. You're soft. And also I, I think the big, the funny thing, the ironic part of it too, is like, you have that same older generation of like, of like fans that are like, this yeah. new generation of players is soft. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't play 162 games every year anymore. Why guys only throw a hundred pitches a game and they're out of the game. And yeah. then it's like, when they get, when like a player celebrates, even the slightest, they're like, where's the sportsmanship? Why is not he just <laughs> running the bases like a professional? And it's like, yeah, what? Wait, like, what, are you, like, what are you trying to what say? Do you, also, what do you want? Like, I don't understand, yeah. like, how boring would it be, too, though? It's just, like, Lindor hits that home run last night, and then... And just rounds just the bases. Like, yeah. Runs the bases with his head down, goes into the dugout, and is never seen again. And the crowd just sits there quietly and goes... Just, yeah, golf crap. Just, wow. Yeah, golf. Yeah, wow. That no, was a great home run. Spectacular well, shot there from Francisco <laughs> Lindor. Like, is that what you want? <laughs> It's like, have you not seen soccer games? It's like, that's the kind of atmosphere that, like, we should be bringing to the baseball diamond. There's so much amazing yeah. talent right now. And really, like – And I, that's what I, I, think, I think is going to grow the game, is that exciting
0: atmosphere. Like, like, if a, a casual fan or a casual even just observer of live sports, they want to see something exciting. They want to cheer for something. They want to get off their feet and scream and yell. And how are you supposed to do that if you know like the game action is exciting for a lot of people but for anyone who has a never played the game or b is unfamiliar with it and and like the players themselves like i don't know i think i think that little extra amount of spice is really fun
1: yeah also as a fan like how fired up were you when Lindora's like gets home gets home um, behind the plate and you see the? Oh, when dude. have you ever? When have you ever seen fans on top of the dugout at City Field? <laughs> when it, I've never seen it. I that never was saw awesome, it. was awesome though. I've ne- It was amazing. Yeah. I've never seen that once. Not when the Mets were in the World Series. Yeah. Not in 2006 at any point. I've never seen that. That's a, an amazing shot. You know they're oh, waving that, the green that flag background like the mm. door pumping his fists like that was um, so hype that was so cool i think they we're so into it
0: yeah i think that's right up there with uh with like the david wright fist bump that that it gets shown all the time like yeah. when like it was right after i think he came back from injury scored on, like on a hustle play uh to take the lead in a big spot and he you know you see that just like raw emotion of just like you know yeah it was it was awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also it's like, I wanted to mention this a little earlier in the podcast, but you know, I'll be the first one to admit, and I'm sure I said it on the podcast where like when the Mets first got Hobby Baez, I was mm-hmm. not a hundred percent thrilled with the move. Um, I just thought he was a guy that like, you know, was exciting, had mm-hmm. these exciting aspects of his game, but struck out a lot um, was kind of an all or nothing guy Like, I didn't really think that he fit into the mold of, like, the Mets, like, in regards to, like, a lineup um, aspect. Like, you know, I I didn't want another guy that was just flailing at the plate and didn't have any discipline. Um, You know, but since seeing him, like, like day to day now, you just see how much he is able to take a game into his own hands and run with it. And it's just like... Well, and he elevates...
0: he elevates the players around him too. Like, um, you know, I think with his sort of like his, his baseball IQ is matched by very few, even in the major leagues. Like I think he's, I think he just, he has a very good sense of everything that's going on. Sometimes it's even a little bit of a hindrance. Like uh, I think there was a play. I can't remember if it was last night or earlier in the weekend, but there was a, a, you know, tailor-made ground ball, men were there's men on uh i think first and second taylor made ground ball and his first look was to third base um i think it was anthony rizzo was running and he very you know that look to third base caused you know a slight delay in his throw to second base and then uh you know the turn lindor had to like double clutch and then and then rizzo was safe um and it was like, okay, I see, like, you can see the thought process Like, and the IQ is there. He's like, can I get him a third? Can I get the lead runner? Which is what you always want to do, right? Mm-hmm. But I think if he had just, you, you know, played out what was in front of him, the Mets would have probably gotten a double play there and it would have been pretty slick. But I hear what you're saying. And I, I had a lot of the same thoughts about Baez and I've just been so impressed with the way that he can, like you said, take the game into his own hands. There was another time where Baez was on uh, third base and this was in the uh, Yankees series. There's a clip of him. He calls down to Pilar. There was a timeout. I think there was a mound visit. Maybe there was a break in the action and he called over to uh, Pilar and was like, Hey, Gary Sanchez can't
1: handle the ball in the dirt. Look yep. for something up. Yeah. Like it's true. <laughs> Like also that's that's just intelligence. It's just like and also like being able to have being able to see Lindor and Baez like in the same infield Mm -hmm. is really incredible. Like it's really an awesome experience. Um, Like just seeing those two do it because they're you know they're friends before Mm -hmm. anything. Like you know Baez really, I feel like only wanted to come to New York. I think there's somewhere where he said that. Like he was like if I was to get. If I was to leave in free agency, you know, if I was to leave Chicago in free agency, the only place I'd want to go is in New York with Lindor, and um, and then just like after the Mets won last night too, and like you see them like going like this, like <laughs> chir- like like pretending to like chirp their hands at the Yankees dugout, like tell yeah. them to yeah. like, that was so funny, man. That was such a good yeah. gift.
0: Well, and fans love that too. Like that's 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 also fan service as much as it is them enjoying you know playing together and just being teammates like I think that's something that can turn some of their their naysayers to be like oh you know they'll talk shit to the Yankees I can get behind that you know
1: yeah also like it is how how glorious would it be to like you know if they match resigned Baez and they and you we get to see Lindor and Baez like up the middle for the match for the foreseeable future like that would just be so incredible um and on a and somewhat
0: is- on a somewhat unrelated note to that you can go, then go ahead and just like trade mcneil for a bag of balls <laughs> I, am, yeah, I, mean, I am i am sick like, of jeff mcneil i have I,
1: for so me weird. the ship
0: has kind of sailed on him he was he was a fun contact hitter and then he tried to be a power hitter and I, now i'm just i'm so sick of it i
1: i just i really just like you know, I just like hope, or like I have like this, like a hope that Jeff McNeil can reclaim some sort of like, some sort of that talent. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. I, I don't know. It's like he's had such a rough season, um, and then he has like these little spurts where it's like he starts driving the ball in the gap and going the other way, and he looks good. Yeah. And then I don't know. It's like fr- and then like sometimes he just has. But he these always looks
0: in the field. Like. I don't, we don't, the Mets don't need that anymore. Like they don't, I think, I think having Baez on a day-to-day basis kind of removes, like if they re-sign him, I think that just completely removes the need for Jeff McNeil altogether. Mm -hmm. Because then you have, you have Dom Smith in left field, who's becoming a serviceable outfielder rather than trying to move McNeil around. And You know, I think at this point they could get at least a return for him for what he's been able to do so far in the major leagues.
1: I wonder what they do with Dom, too, because Dom has really just been, like, kind of, like, cast to the bench at this point. Like, he hasn't really been playing a lot anymore either. Like, I wonder if, like, they hold on to him and, like, if there's a DH next year, like, they they DH him or what. I don't know, but, like – it's been kind of sad to see like he had such a breakout year last year and then this year at the point, it's just been like kind of a mess for him. Um, yeah. But they had a few guys that, that like that. I could see maybe them, them moving this winter. Like, you know, I feel like JD Davis, Dom Smith and like Jeff McNeil are all kind of in a similar boat in that respect, you know? Yeah. And
0: I, I was going to say the exact same thing. Like all three of those guys, they have value. They certainly do. They can help a ball club. They can help this ball club. Uh but I think I really think that if you if you do lock up, it's it's interesting how Bias plays into all this because even though JD Davis plays third base and uh, Dom plays first base and, and left field, like, his presence and his bat in the lineup kind of makes, some of those guys superfluous for different reasons, like uh, you don't need, you don't necessarily need the right-handed bat of, of J.D. Davis anymore, you can go with a different third baseman and I honestly hope they like, keep VR around, because I think he's yeah. been pretty good at third base and he's had an amazing season. Um,
1: yeah. VR is a guy who the only thing I worry about is like I worry about the Mets getting like almost priced out in a sense on VR, like in a, yeah. in, like, a sense of like Cause he's, he's having a, a, he has like 3.5 wins above replacement this year, according to fan graph,
0: <laughs> which That's is pretty insane. darn good.
1: <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. I mean, for a guy who almost signed a minor league deal with the Reds over the winter and then, you know, backpedaled and signed a major league deal with the Mets cause they they offered a major league deal and who was someone who was when they signed him, I was kind of just like, okay, like he, all right, like whatever. Yeah. Um He's had a couple good years, but he's also had a couple bad years. Um, But he's
0: another one of those just, like, heady, smart baseball players. Like, Mm -hmm. it takes a smart baseball player to realize what the Yankees were doing, call time as a third baseman, and go to the mound and be like, hey, Ty, you're tipping your pitches, you know? Like, I think – I think those kind of things are more valuable than analytics show. And I think this team has been fairly built on analytics, which I think, you know, as good as it is, it's not perfect. And it's especially not perfect because the Mets are very new at it. Like, like the, the, the way I keep thinking about it is that like the Tampa Bay Rays are the leading edge of analytics because they have to be in order to be competitive. So, and And one of the things that they've done this season is they haven't shifted as much. And I I thought that was really interesting. Like when the Mets were playing them, that's something that Gary Keith and Ron brought up was that they're not shifting as much. And so I, I think of the Rays as this team that's always a step ahead. And now you have the Mets who are shifting more than almost anybody because almost like they're very new and they need to like, they're in this like data collection phase. Before they yeah. know, like, really, they can really get like real insights out of it. So it's it's an interesting spot to be as an organization.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, they hired this guy, Ben Zosmer, uh, over the winter, who I think has kind of led the charge in a lot of those respects. Um, and I feel like they're going to continue bulking up, you know, in those. Res- I mean, you know, the Mets really did have a good offseason. I mean, when all mm-hmm. things considered, like, with the, the state of the, how the state of the team was left, the, the, the sale of the team going down in like the late fall, you know, where the offseason was already like underway kind of Yep. Uh, like they really had to piece together things like kind of quickly. And then you have like your GM that you just hired 30 days ago, like have all this shit against him,
0: mm-hmm. you know, you
1: have to fire him, you know, and then it's just been like such a whirlwind, um, and so they, they really did have a good winter, but, and I'm really excited to see what they'll do this winter too. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely be more than happy with bringing VR back. Um, I feel like he's been a really, you know, big part of this team. Um, and, you know, Baez too. It's going to be so interesting because they have so many moving parts this winter too because, you know, Stroman is a free agent, Syndergaard, Conforto. Yeah. Then you have Robbins and Cano and his big contract, like, that you have to like, deal with. what do you with. do with that? yeah yeah what do you do like do you just try to like buy him out like does you know does he have a place on the team
0: I mean he had a pretty good 2020 like it's it's a really weird situation that Robinson Cano deal because it also adds a wrinkle into how does Robinson Cano play into the rest of these guys that we're talking about McNeil Conforto Dom Smith J.D. Davis you know like does he, does he even push someone like Jeff McNeil even further out? I kind of think he does uh, because he still provides defense as limited of his, as his range is. He's still smooth as they come with the glove. Uh, and I, I think he's just as valuable as a
1: defender as Jeff McNeil, if not more. I guess the only thing – like, the only, like, questions you have to ask with Cano is – how much of him his his season in 2020 was due to him taking steroids? Um, and who's to say he won't do it again and just be like, "Screw it, one more year, catch me, who's, I'm done." <laughs> who's to say that he's not going to do it again? He's already 38, yeah, or 39. You know, um, and now he's he's coming off a shortened season in 2020, which wasn't even a full season, missing yeah. an entire season, and then like having to start all again for a new season in your late, late thirties, true. you know? So I would personally be very surprised if he had, if he played another game as a Met. Um, I just don't, I can't really see them like having that big, like, I know, you know, Steve Cohen has a lot of money, but I can't even, I really can't see him just like having that dead weight contract, like on your, on your uh, active payroll. And, like, and maybe, a of-
0: maybe they reworked the deal for him to just, you know, like you can't really push a guy into retirement, but maybe they like restructure it to pay him for a certain number of years after the fact of next season. I can't remember how many years are left on his deal and how
1: much money is it? I think he has, uh, I think, I, I want to say he has two more years left on the deal.
0: Yeah. I, I want to say it was through his age 41 season, right? That's, that, that's what sticks out in my mind.
1: Yeah, because I think it would have been. What did they get? Twenty nineteen? They got him for five years, right? They had it for five more years or something like that. Like I don't when even they were, remember. when they acquired him.
0: Yeah, I think it was five years, and he was thirty six years old. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they have him for two more years. Right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like Steve Cohen might just like get his hired goons and like. Have that, have them like rough <laughs> Robinson canoa
0: <laughs> It's like that scene from The Simpsons, where
1: like maybe that's Mr. what happened
0: to Uranus Cespedes.
1: The Willpons didn't want to.
0: <laughs> the Wilpons didn't want to pay him, so they, so they got hired.
1: Hired, hired dudes. a boar. <laughs> <laughs> they, they hired a boar. <laughs> well, this should be an interesting season. Yeah. Um, but before we go, let's, re- re- let's remember a couple dudes. Um, And then we'll get to tune in on the Mets game because we're recording kind of through the beginning of the Mets game here today. But
0: um... I do want to
1: say before we remember some guys, um, I do just
0: want to recognize the fact that we have a matchup of Rich Hill versus Adam Wainwright right now. Which, like, if you were to tell somebody back in 2008, like, "Hey, Rich Hill and Adam Wainwright are still going to be pitching,"
1: you'd be like, "All all right." Yeah, like yeah, like 2000 honestly if you told me in 2006 yeah that Adam Wright was th- and Yadier Molina were still going to be battery mates 15 <laughs> years later I'd be floored.
0: I don't know if I'd be that shocked cuz I'd be like, oh, that sounds like a Cardinals
1: thing to do." True. You know, it's pretty crazy that like Albert Pujols is also still playing. Like it's just like the three of those guys from the 06 team, the 06 Cardinals team are still in the league.
0: Yeah. well, and, uh, and That's a perfect segue because I do want to remember a, a 2006 random guy because I just, whenever I think of Adam Wainwright, I think of 2006 as a trauma response. Um, and I'm trying to decide who to go with here. I think I'm just going to go with Jose Valentin because he was just so good that year and he such, was a, such a pleasant surprise.
1: He was electric. That was such a, that was an awesome year. Um, And he was such a pleasant surprise. Um, Give me a year, Mike, like last time, and I'll, and I'll, I'll think of a random dude. Okay. Let's go with 2011. All right. 2011. Uh, They had some stinkers on that team. That's like the black hole of like my Mets baseball fandom. Like it was like post, like, all right, they're not going to win anytime soon, and like they're they just brought Alderson in to rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. Twenty eleven. <sighs> All right, Chris Capuano. Yes, love me
0: some Chris Capuano. He had some he had some good starts as a Met, and some real stinkers, but
1: he was very I liked average. Him. He was yeah. like thirty two starts, four point five ERA. You know, it's like he just like eight innings and. That was kind of it. Um, mm-hmm. But he had an occasional. I think he had like a. He had like a a couple of really good games, like you said. He had a game where I think he threw like a complete game, or he might have had a shutout.
0: Yeah, he did have one complete game, according to Baseball Reference. Um, yeah,
1: I think he might have had a shutout that game.
0: But he doesn't have any games finished. That's really weird. How does, how does he have a complete game and zero games finished?
1: Maybe it was on the road.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe
1: maybe it was like, I don't know. My, my, my brain is still a bowl of porridge from (laughs) 40 years. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Anyway. So that's, that's our episode for Monday. Um, Chris Capuano, Jose Valentin. Hope you guys are having great days respectively. And uh, We'll,
1: we'll catch you guys later in the week.
0: Yeah. Sounds good.